Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Long Slice Brewery presents Getting Hip to the Hip. Hey, it's JD here, and welcome to Getting Hip to the Hip, the Tragically Hip podcast. Welcome, and you might realize that today is an off day. Today isn't a day for a new episode, but you know what? We decided to surprise you because we got in touch with our friend Gord Sinclair and decided to chat with him for an hour or so, and what a lovely conversation it was. So we're going to share that with you now, but before we get into that sharesies, I'm going to tell you to stick around to the end of the interview because we have a very major announcement to make, Pete, Tim, and myself, and we're going to do that at the end of the episode. So give that a listen. We tip our hand to what that announcement is inside the episode, so you might might, uh, put the pieces together. Anyway, this is Pete and Tim and myself in conversation with Gord Sinclair. Enjoy.
is uh, pretty exciting. This is my pleasure. I appreciate it. I don't know if you know what the premise of our podcast is, but I want to give you uh, <laughs> a, a snippet so you get a you get an understanding of who these two gentlemen that you're that you're with are. Sure, um, maybe you should tell them at the end, JD. Let's get the interview <laughs> out of the way. Let's get all the content we need, and, and then. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. No way. No way. I'm selling you out. So I did a podcast called Meeting Malcolmus, and it was about pavement. And I met these two guys in Europe last year going to see Pavement a bunch of times, and we got talking about music. And I really love the way they talk about music, the, their thoughtfulness and the way they understand it. And so naturally, me being a, a very big Tragically Hip fan, uh, your, your name came up. And them being from Southern California, one by way of uh, Malaga, Spain, and one by way of Portland, um, Portland Oregon now, uh, they hadn't they hadn't had much experience with you. So I thought dreamt up this idea of the podcast, taking them through your discography one record at a time, so that um, the listeners can experience can experience what it's like to hear your music for the first time again. Huh. Cool. It's been a it's been a journey, man. It's been really Unique. And, and what are you guys up to now, like record-wise? Is it still work in progress, or we have uh, just released up to here? So, okay. Here's a fun fact for you: Did you know that if you take your entire catalog and release them starting on May two four weekend and release one a week for the summer, it ends on Labor Day? Oh no, I didn't know that. Your your <laughs> catalog your catalog is perfect for the summer, man. Okay, great. Well, that's that. That is kind of appropriate, for sure. We're you know sure. It, it, we're unlike Southern California. We kind of live for the for the three or four months where <laughs> you can actually sit outside and play guitar without your fingers falling off. You know. So. Well, that's 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 definitely me in Portland, Oregon. We we had the the soggiest spring I could remember in my twenty two years here. So yeah, yeah, that's a great yeah. town. We 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 played Portland a bunch, um, the Aladdin Theater. Remember that place? Yeah, it's an awesome theater. Yeah, I still go there. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, yeah, we, it was it was a cool room. It was always fun to play there. We'd, we'd love to have you back there with your your current gig. So that would be that would yeah. Be awesome. Well, it, it it would be great. It would be great. Things have changed for the live music business, unfortunately. To, for the so worst, true. Unfortunately. Yeah. So for now, the tour the tour that you're you're doing um, in in Toronto and like Southern Ontario. Yeah. Um, is that is that what we're expecting to see for now, or will there be more dates in the future? Perhaps? Yeah, it, it, I mean it's still it's still up in the air. Uh, um, I, I'm certainly not averse to doing more dates, but we, uh, you know, uh, yeah, uh, but but we'll but we'll wait and see. You know, it's 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 not an easy proposition um, no. uh, taking the show on the road. I mean, the expenses are kind of through the roof. Um, yeah. Just in terms of of putting the boys up. That's why we're staying pretty close to home to start. Um, um, not only am I a band leader now, but I'm also a father. And my, my youngest son is uh, playing bass in the group and he's got a day job. So I got to get him back. <laughs> oh, man. You know, it would be irresponsible for, for me to have him run away to the circus like I did, you know? <laughs> um, but but it, it remains to be seen, you know, it remains to be seen. So how is that turn, turning around to your left or right and seeing your son, you know, in your familiar spot? It's it it it's it's pretty great. It, I gotta say, it's pretty great. He's uh, uh, 
on his own, he is an amazing musician. Uh, all my all my kids can play, but but he this one's got a particular uh, ear and talent. Um, uh, guitar and piano are his principal instruments. He's not really a bass player, uh, but he can play just about anything. He's just one of these kids that can hear a melody on the radio or on record and sit down on the piano and, and play it back to you. So on that regard, it's really, really great to see him actually playing. The The flip side of it is as a, he's a singer-songwriter in his own right and is in the process of finishing a record that he did while he was at university uh, at McGill. Um, and it's tough. You know, it, it's tough for young kids starting out today um, to get that, to get that leg up, you know, that opportunity that a group like ours had, you know, where we, you know, we were able to start playing gigs while we were in school, um, you know, and, and, and kind of built it up from there very, very, very organically. We got better as we played more and, and, and as we played more, more people came and, and then we got more gigs and it sort of snowballed from there. And like we, like most, we started as a cover band, um, and crazily enough, like back in the eighties, when we were playing, they didn't really want original artists in the clubs in Canada. Um, so we would, you know, we would, we were playing mostly kind of B sides of old stone songs and pretty things and, and kinks and, and stuff like that. And then throwing in our own material. And so when we played it, our song, we said, Oh, that's, you know, that's from an old, uh, them record from, from 1967, just, absolutely bullshitting our way because there's some clubs that you had to write down your set list make sure you weren't playing original material it's bizarre hmm. so so now it's uh yeah it's just a different scene uh, than it was up here back in the day i'd, I'd love to see him uh working and, and playing and, and you know making it taking a go at it anyway yeah i feel i kind of feel like this day and age to make it in a band and get on an actual tour that's further away than your closest region it's like it's almost like becoming a professional athlete. Yeah. You know, it's just like your chance of yeah. getting that notoriety and getting embraced and carried through it. It's it's just tougher. I have a, a close, close cousin of mine is in a band here in Portland and they're going at it so hard and, you know, they're lucky to get, I don't know, a six, six or eight West Coast swing. Yeah, and happy yeah. about it, but I tell you, the costs for them and all that, just like you said, it's 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 a it's a tough it's a tough go. Yeah, it's 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 yeah, it's very much the same here. Um, it's like anything, you know. It, 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 you you put a group together, uh, and, you, and you you just you get that Jones, you know. You do it for the love of it, and if you see a little yeah. glimpse of light at the end of the tunnel, it's enough to keep you going. Um, right. The one gig leads to the next, the next. But, but boy, if you get continued roadblocks thrown up against you, it it it's a little demoralizing. And uh, certainly up in Canada, the live music scene um, was in a tough spot even before COVID, and, and COVID really just you know cut the head off the vampire. It was it was just made it so so difficult, particularly at the at the early stage gigs, like in, in most downtown cores, they've been, you know, the small rooms where it would be your first gig when you came to Winnipeg or your first gig when you came to London, Ontario, those rooms don't exist anymore. Um, yeah. You know, in fact, I was talking to my agent uh, a little while ago and uh, again, it's been a while since I've been out to Western Canada, but he was saying that there's not really a, a gig in 
Vancouver and Calgary in a in a in a five hundred wow. seat capacity, and that's and that's tough when you're just coming through town for the first time. I mean, it's tough as, on a regional level if you're a young band from Victoria sure. or Kelowna, let alone from Kingston, Ontario. You know, um, which is a real shame. I mean, the great thing about being from Canada, you know, the biggest obstacle to touring in this country. Uh, is actually our greatest assets, the sheer size of the country. You know, once you, once you kind of break out of your region and play in the crap little clubs around your hometown, then you got eight, 10, 12 hours in some cases driving in between the, uh, the gigs. And, and you, you learn really early and really, really quickly how to play, you know, an empty room on a Tuesday night and a, and a shithole on a Wednesday night with the object of getting to, a Winnipeg, you know, for Friday and Saturday night and maybe selling some tickets. Right. You either you either fall in love with the lifestyle and, and the guys in your group or the gals in your group as the case may be, or you bust up before you get out of our province yeah. in Ontario. And so you get a lot of hardy souls that are doing it. And then in the meantime, during all the traveling, you just develop this rapport with your bandmates. And if you're a composer at all, it's great. You have so much time sitting in the van or sitting in a hotel room. You just, you write and you shoot the shit and, 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 and you, you become what you become. You know, um, it's, it's true for musicians. It's true for crew people in this country as well. You know, you look at any international sure. group and their crews are populated by Canadians because they have that experience. You learn how to travel and, and, and learn how to, you know, get along with people in a confined space of a, you know, a van or a tour bus. And it's a, it's a real asset that we have. That fortunately, it's getting more and more difficult. It's a bummer. Because I love you guys, it. You guys honed your, I mean, and I we know this, I know this because we've pretty much gone through the, the majority of the discography, at least for the hip. And um, you guys really honed your skills. So those Tuesday, Wednesday night shitholes yeah. that you're playing – <clears throat> to get, you know, you can either take those as like, oh man, there's, there's five people here. What do we do? Like, let's, 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 let's treat it like a really tight rehearsal, Yeah, you know, whatever. And it, it shows, at least from my perspective on those records, those early records and like, do you guys just peak and just, you know, coast at 35,000 feet, so to speak, yeah. but it's funny you mentioned about the touring scene because I live in Malaga. I grew up in Southern California, but I live in Malaga, Spain. And I we had a record come out last year and we're getting ready to do a second record. <clears throat> and it's in the city center. They don't want anything original. They want Stones, Beatles, um, you know, <laughs> maybe a couple of Zeppelin tunes thrown in. They don't, they don't want they they want cover bands. That's yeah. all they want. Yeah, yeah. It's it's it's, it's, it's tough. It's it's a funny time, um, and in a lot of ways, I I think it's a kind of a dangerous time from a cultural perspective. I mean, I um, uh, I'm a Stones fan, and I'm a Beatles fan, and I'm a Zeppelin fan. You know, got it secondhand from older brothers and sisters. You know, but but uh, I honestly you know. Uh, I honestly believe that every generation needs their own stones. They need their, they need, like I grew up on the clash, right. You know, and, and the jam and, and, 
and that was I was able to define myself away from all the brothers and sisters because of the tunes that I was liking. And you know, and I've been quite honestly, I've been waiting around for the next Nirvana and honest believing in my heart that somewhere in the world, in some in mom and dad's basement, there is the next Nirvana working it and, and learning how to do it. I just I really honestly believe it. I mean, I again I we're very fortunate over the course of our career touring, you know, we have moms and dads that are bringing their kids to the, to our shows. And now those kids are, you know, so right, right. still into the hip and stuff, which is awesome. But, but I worry where for Canada anyway, where, where that next hip is actually going to come from, you know? Um, and it's, again, I, I, I think it's a cultural thing. And, 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 you know, and to your point about the learning how to play the empty rooms, I mean, that's what allowed us to, you know, we were back and forth across Canada uh, a number of times before we got the opportunity to to make that left turn in British Columbia and, and start playing in the United States. And it was literally like starting over. Um, so by that point, we were playing like larger clubs and, and doing really, really well. And then, you know, you go down to Seattle and you're back to, you know, 20 to 50 people. And and it's actually, it, it, it's really informed our career. You know, we learned really early on to, to play to each other. Um, it, uh, totally. And, and to how to play on stage. And we always had this mantra. We, we, we learned to play uh, the hockey rinks like they were clubs. And we learned to play the clubs like they were hockey rinks, you know. And, and <laughs> Cool. Cool. I love it. And that. we were really, we were also really, really fortunate that we, we would go to a region like the Pacific Northwest in the States and you, you know, at the club level and you could look out and you could see familiar faces, the folks that were really into it, like maybe it actually bought the records. And, um, you can see them in the first couple rows. And, and um, it was the same when we started in Canada. So we would change up the set every night, you know, try to throw in as many different tunes and we wouldn't open with the same tune we wouldn't close with the same tune and to make it look like we were not even look like we were trying we were really trying to entertain these folks you know and you guys are all music fans and there's nothing worse than you you know you catch an act and then you catch the the act later in the tour and it's like hello cleveland on the teleprompter you know (laughs) yes agreed agreed 100 percent. and it's kind of like if you avoid phoning it in consciously avoid phoning it in then you're not phoning it in and 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 you're not thinking about your laundry or the fight you just had with your partner while you're out on the road you're actually engaged with your fellow musicians and particularly with the crowd right and yeah it's important to me as a music fan you know i i I just think it's really and there's still groups out there you know at the rink level that do that you know you know yeah yeah to comment quickly about your your wish for the new Nirvana, like I think it's happening in in these subcapsules, like these regional areas. You know, like I I hear about bands doing a West Coast tour and doing uh, in small clubs, smallish clubs, but also doing house parties along the way. And when I first heard this one band I follow, when I first heard they were doing. You know, in between, let's say, um, San Francisco and Eugene, they're doing house parties in Arcata, California, or Eugene, you know, south of Eugene or in Ashland. It's like, 
So they're doing house parties. Like people are showing up and getting shit faced and rocking out. And, and to me, it was kind of brilliant. It was very old school feeling. Like, you know, I remember stuff like this happening in the 80s. But at the same time, I'm like, well, if that's a way to hustle and get more fans to support, you know, your your venue climb, then that's that's just amazing. So I think it's happening with, you know, some of these kind of post-punk kind of yeah. art, yeah. um, I mean, art, art rock bands, you know, it's it's happening, but it's it's so it's so capsule based. Yeah. yeah. So to break out of that, it's pretty tough. Yeah. I mean, that that's my understanding of it as well, that the first show I've got is, is part of a festival in our hometown called spring reverb and we uh, again it's a very uh, very local promoter who who's you know god bless them they're they're all in on live performance and they're 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 like the don quixotes of music in this particular region and they'll they'll do whatever it takes and there's tons of groups on the bill um that i haven't heard before it's and it's an exciting you know um and it's a it's a really really good thing but I think for your average music consumer my age, it's like no one's trying to pitch new music to me in any way, you know, which is a real kind of drag. I I have the dough to buy the records, but I don't know which ones to buy, you know, and it's I I, I still it's a it's a bit of a problem. I'd love to send you a list. I'm bugging these two guys all the time. Hey, you got to, you know, I, I tell these guys all the time, hey, please listen to this. There's one band in particular, I probably told them three times to listen yeah. to it. Just make me a playlist. Maybe I'll listen yeah. to it later. But, and it's cool. It's never been easier to, yeah. to produce a record. Like, again, when I started, it, recording True. was expensive and you had to have a deal to do it. And, and, and it was some someone had to invest the money in it, which again, was maybe part of the advantage that we had. We did have some resources behind us uh, with our first, even with our first EP, um, private resources. And, but, you know, that, that patronage system, it, it, I mean, mm. kind of goes back to the Mozart days where, you know, folks that had the resources were able to have house concerts. It just happened to be in palaces. And, and, right. <laughs> right. But right. it's a good thing. I mean, I think, you know, the kids will find a way. It's just, it's just how, how to take it to the next level. I mean, we, when we first started touring the States, um, you know, it was still regional radio was a real big deal. It was just before Ronald Reagan and the clear channel days kind of ruined it so many ways where, and, and it's a real shame as a music fan and as an artist, you know, you could be, stiffen in one market but then you then you go to like austin texas for us was like holy crap where did all these people come from and then you find out that the, a local dj's got an affection for the band and and they're kind of they're kind of paving the road for you in advance and it was such a great it was a great time. It was a great time for music. And it's it's about what's played too, Gord. Because I mean, I just want to. You talk. You mentioned the Clear Channel thing, but it's about what you're exposed to. Like you said, the DJ that that it's got a that's got a um, you know, it's, it's got an affinity for your band. I no joke. I'm in California right now because I'm visiting family out here, and I saw two of my best friends. One flew out from Texas, the other one lives out in um, 
he's got a place in Mexico, but he, he works the train. And so we all met up and on separate occasions, I told him about this podcast and we listened to, to some hip tunes and they're like, who the fuck are these guys? Like, what? And, and like immediate fans, strangely enough. And because we have the same like taste in music, the three of us, we grew up, we played in bands together since we were five, but never, never were exposed to it. Yeah. yeah. Never had it. Yeah, we Crazy. we would get that a lot over the course of our career. Um, uh, you know, we've always benefited from really passionate fans that that you know, they would they would get it and just the old fashioned word of mouth thing. You know, we would come back through town like eighteen months later, and they they would have brought all their friends and maybe got turned to just some recorded music of ours, but then they would see the band play live, and it would all make sense like live music's supposed to it's just like oh i didn't even think of that song on the record but when they played it it's like ah you know that's my new favorite song and then it grew just really really organically you know we we never really had the benefit in the united states of a a single that was big enough to, to open up like a national type of market but we we uh, we maintained this ability to tour around the, the, the circumference of the country, you know, and, um, yeah. And, you know, wherever they had a professional hockey team, we, we would do pretty good, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> right. So I will say though, I read, I read, uh, I read, you know, something about you guys playing the, the Fillmore in the nineties in San Francisco. And there was some comment, um, it was like, yeah, they always do. They always have a big crowd here because, Every Canadian in California comes to the show, you know. So it's I, and, and it's hard. It was hard to get tickets because all the Canadians would show up. So, you know, I, I love I love the story of how everything happened organically, and you guys kind of started from playing small clubs and what have you, and cover songs, and how it this that rise is just totally remarkable, and it's you know it's obviously worthy of of sharing which we're we're doing now i i gotta fast forward and ask about this this uh airstream though yeah. and you guys recording and yeah, an tell, tell us about that just so cool we, we have our own fantasy <laughs> in our minds right now well it was really is, it was so. a again it's a kind of a it's a covid based reality uh that that i i faced um sure the the, the group uh myself we we own a recording studio uh in, in Bath, Ontario. It's a residential studio. So um, COVID, it, it was really super busy because, you know, artists, musicians could, you could test up and and you live there. You didn't have to go anywhere. And and, and as long as our, our engineer, uh, you know, was safe, it, it was so, I, I couldn't get into it. You know, <laughs> like I just couldn't, it was booked out and, and, and um, I had, uh, you know, I I put out a record called Taxi Dancers previously, and it's one of those things like I had tunes left over from writing with the hip and stuff. So you've got years and years to do that, and then, but COVID was great for me as a as a songwriter. I was locked down in my home with my family, and and um, and I was writing and using the guitar and 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 writing lyrics as my means of journaling, journaling really, and. I wrote this record fairly quickly, and my buddy James, who 
played with me a bunch. Uh, I produced a, a bunch of records for his band out of Peterborough called The Spades. And so we've just always had a really close relationship. He is an engineer and producer in Peterborough um, and had this great idea the summer before COVID. He, uh, he bought a, an Airstream trailer and he rigged it up so that he was able to strip down his gear from his studio space and and transplant everything into the airstream and and go go completely mobile so he could record live shows um and you know any sort of situational stuff which i thought was a genius idea um then covid hit and it kind of you know it kind of went on the back burner and and then we got talking and said you know i got got enough tunes for a record and and uh you know uh, he he played with me on the first one and engineered so I said, I want to try to do it again. And, um, and so we literally recorded it in my house. We, we parked the Airstream in the driveway and ran a snake underneath my garage door and, and, <laughs> and plugged in. And, and it was kind of great. Um, I hoofed my family out and it was just, it was just James and, and, and Jeff Halschuk and I are our, our, our drummer and, and, we, we kind of stripped things down. We, we, we learned all the songs as a, as a three piece, you know, with, with me playing the bass and then, and then tracked kind of pretty much live. James, uh, Jeff and I would play together and put the bed tracks down to like a scratch guitar, scratch vocal and, and, and kind of did it like that. It was really kind of wicked. And, and, and oddly enough, as, as recording is, Very you know, cool. we, we learned the songs and we kind of had all the beds done in like three, four days. It was just bang, 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 kind of like that. It was, it was a lot of fun, like kind of old school recording, you know, trying to almost emulate it, doing it 16 track, you know, really minimal overdubs and and just to get that sound, you know, we we spent the majority of our time miking up the drum kit, you know, so that we could, you know, the, the Jeff Halschuk, the drummer, is just a fantastic player, jazz guy. And he uh, decided to slum it with us rock and rollers. And uh, but, he, but he brought that that complexity and, and the touch where you could actually hear the notes on the drums. And you really wanted Yeah, yeah, I could hear it. That's yeah. great. We actually ran into him. Ironically, James and I were supporting a group, uh, classic Canadian story, but our... our, our <laughs> Our very first show of the tour that we were doing, supporting the trees, got snowed out. We we got to the bottom of Georgian Bay, and the road was closed. It was drifted in, and, and so we drove back down to Toronto and uh, um, went to this great club called the Rex Jazz Club, and and Jeff was playing with this hmm. organ trio, you know, like real kind of like just fantastic player, and had a couple beers with him after, and, and said, "Hey, do you want to?" want to do this if i ever make another record so yeah call me and you know the rest is kind of history cool yeah it's wicked very cool yeah actually pick up the phone yeah yeah exactly no No, uh, like for example the song over and over i think it is yeah over and over again yeah you can tell i mean you can tell throughout the record but like that one in particular like however because once you lay down your initial you know your drums and bass your guitar your your bones you start playing with arrangements and um, that I, I I was wondering, like thinking about your process, you know, wh- how you go about recording and once you get stuff down, but the way you explain the Airstream, that had to have 
promoted like some level of like creativity, like where you see something, you're like, let's do this. Let's try this because you're not tradi- sitting in a traditional studio, yeah. you know, with four walls yeah, and a window. And um, yeah. like, do, do, do you know what I'm saying? Does that? Yeah, no, a hundred percent. That's that's exactly what we were able to do, uh, you know, within the confines of the house. Like I have a, I have a small home studio. Um, uh, I have an open house, so I, I've got curtains everywhere to kind of allow, you know, for not only privacy, but to kind of the deaden the sound and stuff. And um, we had to be creative with what we were doing and trying to figure out where we're going to put drums and what we're going to do with bass. And it was literally because of the way Jeff played uh, and my natural affinity for records that were done in the seventies that we wanted to, instead of getting the big boomy Bob rock kind of right. like, we're going to play in the cavern, no, no, smash, smash, smash drum kit. We wanted to like, he, you know, Jeff plays with <laughs> the jazz sticks. So that's, you know, so we thought, well, let's put him in this curtained off room where everything's totally dead. And, and you know, do the you know, do the Jeff Emmerich, you know, and kind of play and play and play and move a mic and move a stand until we got the kit sounding perfectly. And then um, in the meantime, you know, we're, we're, we're rehearsing. Um, James is playing with us, and um, then we you know we get tempos down and stuff, and, and do, you know do a scratch acoustic guitar and vocals, so we know the arrangement. And then Jeff or James would go out into the airstream and we counted off and, and Jeff and I would play together, you know, and the, the, the bass amp is elsewhere in the house. So there's no chance of it bleeding in, but we, we didn't have walls or rooms or anything like that. And, and again, it, it was the same process. And mm-hmm. most of the bass um, is not DI. It's, it's, uh, I've got an old, you know, Portaflex B15 from 1965, the James Jamerson. Right. And, and it was kind of like you stick the right mic in front of it and it, Totally. It sounds like it, it sounds like Motown, you know, and, and yeah. so that's the, that's kind of the way we did it. <laughs> and, and obviously, I knew the tunes real well. Um, and, and Jeff is just such a good enough player that it was like, oh, you know, you you kind of get it in one or two takes and go out and listen to it. And then again, as a the cool thing, we we'd go out to the driveway to the airstream, which was our really our control room, and. Um, you listen to it all stripped away where it's just bass and drums and it's kind of like, Oh, it's got even without a lyric and without a guitar or even a melody. It's like, Oh, this sounds pretty wicked. It's kind of the inverse of being a songwriter where I've always believed if you can sing a song around a campfire um, and it can, and, and it can exist on that level and subsist on that level. then it's like, Oh, okay, this is a decent song. Um, and we kind of combined those two, ethoses and to, to make this record. And it was, again, it was just because of the circumstances of making it that, you know, we all had to be tested up and we, you know, it, it was just the three of us and we were also living together and eating together and, and drinking beer together and playing pool and a pool table in one part of my house. And yeah. It was great. It's like, it's the band camp, you know, it's the 
That's a that, funnest way to kill time. <laughs> you know. Sure. <laughs> Gord, I have a question from somebody on Twitter. Yeah. We we let them know that we were meeting with you, and he said it's Craig Rogers from Twitter, and he said curious if he uh, curious if Gord finds himself writing on guitar or bass more often, or a mixture, both with this album and when he wrote for the Hip. His bass playing is very melodic, so does he have a chord progression in mind first, and then works out a bass line, or does the bass melody come first? Um, I, I primarily write on on guitar, um, for sure. Uh, you know, certainly with the hip, even the songs I would bring to the hip, I, I would have written riffs and, and, and started out uh, on on acoustic guitar. Um, not all the time. Like there are on occasion, uh, I, I would try to do something on bass. Bass is, bass is kind of tough to sit around on your own, keep yourself entertained. You know, you, you, know, you, you can play along and stuff. But but certainly like my, my main contributions writing with the hip with, because we had developed that cooperative songwriting style where, um, you know, no one in the group would bring a finished idea to the band. You know, we would basically you'd throw out a riff, be it a guitar riff, or in some cases a bass riff, and, and we would start playing together. And Gordon would start putting a melody on top and a lyric on top. And, um, and it was great that way as the bass player, you'd like, Oh, here are all these, here are all these holes. Oh, I can, add melody in here or, or or in a lot of cases it was from the middle of songs while we were jamming or, or, or sound checks you know we were always playing and and but yeah it was it was great fun i i miss making music with those guys big time because it was as a songwriter it was it, it it's different now like you never when you when i was in the hip you never had to finish an idea and even if you had writer's block <laughs> and if you were stuck with something we would get together uh, frequently and someone always had something new and fresh and that would, you know, cause a light bulb to come on and, um, and it would suggest a change that maybe the guy that brought the riff in hadn't thought of. And meanwhile, Gord just being Gord, he would be riffing on top and, and his melody would suggest a change that, and, and it, it, it was great. I, I loved being in that band and I, and I miss it because it's like, you know, but yeah, you start, I still start the same way. I start with the riff, but man, it takes a lot longer, <laughs> you know, to, to come up with complimentary parts <laughs> and, and, and the lyrics and, 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 and stuff. And, and again, I, I, I credit Gord. I really, you know, I tried to bring some heft to the lyrics that I was writing for this project and my previous one as well. Cause he's, you know, he set a pretty high bar, uh, as a song. You know, and oh my goodness! You can't really, yeah. <laughs> you can't really put out a solo record. I've said this a few times, but it's absolutely true. Like you can't write "Yummy, Yummy, Yummy." I've got love in my tummy, you know, and feel good about yourself with some of the lyrics that the has. You know, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's the writing's a, it's a, it's a, it's a fun, it's a fun process. I'm not a sit down and write every day kind of guy. I don't do the Stephen King and lock myself in my studio for 2,500 words a day. You know, I kind of sit around and watch hockey playoffs or baseball playoffs and with the guitar in my lap and noodling all the while. And, and then you're like, Oh, and the cascade begins from there, you know, kind of not really paying attention to either. And it, it's amazing if you're receptive to the idea, it, it'll, it'll come from somewhere. It's it's great fun. It's great fun. 
Gord, I'm so thrilled that you laid down in 2020. You laid down uh, "Get Back Again." Yeah. Uh, so we so we have a like a proper studio version of that song because I got to tell you that was one of the hip songs that I came to early on in in my young hip career, and I was like, "Whoa, this is something that's not on the records." Like this is like a bootleg, or this is so cool. And I, I gotta I gotta wonder though, how did it never end up on a record? Like that is such a yeah. phenomenal song. It's it, it's a funny one. I mean that it was. That's a, it's it's an old song. I mean, that was back from the day when we were we were kind of clubbing it, just kind of in southeastern Ontario, and and we were all learning how to write, and we were writing a little bit together. You know, Gord Downey and I were, uh, and Paul were living together at a student house, and, but yeah, and it it was kind of a mainstay when we would play live, and it was in the running, you know, uh, for for up to here for sure as a song, but. Okay. Interestingly enough, we, we we recorded a demo version of it um, that was just dynamite. Like, you know, the, the performance across the board is great, particularly by Gore. Like, he just sang the song beautifully. And it was one of those circumstances where the, the, the guy that was helping us with the demo said, oh, that was really, really great. One more time, just like that, and we'll run tape. And we're like, oh, what? You mean you weren't running tape? And <laughs> oh. we tried it again. And collectively, we were so disappointed. <laughs> you know, that I don't know. We never we never seemed to capture that vibe that we had on this unrecorded demo. You know, um, this was, again, we were really young. And we were still learning how to play in the studio where it sounded like us and it sounds old fashioned and everything, but it was back in the day we we recorded live. Like we would, you know, put the bass somewhere and, you know, drums are in a booth and gourds in a booth and we were learning how to do it, but still get that feeling like with headphones on that we, Oh, you know, it sounds like us and we're listening to each other you know, and again. And then, yeah, it just never, it just never made the cut after that, I guess. I mean, there is a version of it, somewhere at least i thought we had recorded it for up to here um there is some I've got a version of it somewhere oh, do you? on my computer somewhere we so. may call him because we may be doing a, uh, <laughs> what's the deal with your dad He don't even know my name Didn't know he'd be bad Didn't know he'd been bad No one stayed to share the blame I didn't mean to do that She won't even come around Every time I look back, didn't realize that I was better off than now. Mothers came and cried forever. Brother Kane survived the centuries and all the time that I thought was my friend. Be alright. 
Finding it uh, odd with the, we've always been signed to Universal uh, in various shapes or forms. We were signed to MCA back in the day, but the tracking down our old tapes, um, our old demo stuff and studio stuff is proving very, very challenging from an archival point of view. Like stuff is, Hmm. you'd, you'd think it'd be, you know, T-HIP or HIP or it would be alphabetized or the Dewey Decimal System or something, but it seems pretty random and stuff is in different storage areas. And our drummer, John, has just been, he's just been like a dog on a bone tracking down material and just relentless trying to find stuff. We kind of process kind of started for us with road apples, but we were still, we were only able to manage to find two thirds of the tapes. You'd think they'd all be somewhere together. Um, huh. You know, when we heard about That's that, you know, that fire on the universal lot, we like, we hit the panic button. Like, right. You know, wow. Is there, do you think some of our stuff is in there? And then read the list that. in the paper and, and there was our name, you know, in between Mel Torme and the Van Trop family singers, you know, it's like, Oh crap. I hope we didn't. Because that, that, to your point, that's exactly the kind of stuff that we were looking for. Um, you know, turns out there were dupes and some sure. of it's back up in Canada. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's funny. I just, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask a gear question. Um, what, 
what 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 type of guitar do you do you like to sit in? Because when you're sitting watching a ball game and you're just noodling or you're just whatever, like yeah. what's your go-to? I I honestly I've got a I've got a few favorites. Um, um, in fact, like there's a song on this this latest record called uh, "Change Your Mind." I I I bought a I bought an old um, uh, Martin D18. Uh, I, I saw it. I I bought it sight unseen because I just always wanted one and, and went down. Uh, picked it up and literally pulled it out of the case uh, and it became my main guitar for about a week and that was just, that was I I'd, I'd written that song on it within god probably a day or two you know it just it felt right it sounded right it's, what's that there's sort of like a dreamy stony sound on that song yeah and and, and and I would credit the guitar you know I I guess I I I, I have a lot of, I've got a lot of instruments laying around the house and I will, you know, I will, I'll trick myself and I'll keep one guitar with a capo on the second fret, you know, and thereby changing the key of the song. But you just, in certain cases, different chord shapes and, and different, you know, composite chords, like, you know, a D over G or, or whatever, just sound different in a different key or it'll trigger something melodically. And then that will, send it in a different direction so i i i kind of rotate them in and out you know i i i've got an old the first kind of cool guitar i bought was an old j160e you know mid 50s old beater of a guitar and it's always out on a stand somewhere and i'll pick it up and i'm, I'm playing right now I'm, I'm i'm going out and playing this old uh es125 like a like a hollow body arch top electric um and and it's been laying around, and it's just you know, it sounds kind of. It's got a little more sound to it. Yeah, but I just kind of believe in the magic of it, you know, that it's just like oh, this, it, you know, it yeah. feels right and sounds right, and the, the 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 tones of these older instruments, to my ear anyway, are so nuanced that that each one has a different character and suggests different things, you know, and and some chords sound better on them than others, and. and yeah, it's so so. It's cool. I like I say, I, I trick myself and I, I mix it up. That's the per, that's the perfect answer. <laughs> Had you said this is the guitar, that's he's it. A trick. You know? I would have been like, hey, <laughs> he's, he's BSing me, he's bullshitting me. Oh, that's right on. That's cool. Yeah. My question was more: What kind of beer were you, were you drinking when you were recording in the, yeah, in the trailer? Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not as young as I used to be, so I, I'm I'm I. There's always a case of Guinness kicking around here for sure, but I'm, I'm more of a light beer guy now, unfortunately. I just uh, I can't afford to drink the loaf of bread like I used to when I was a young man. Lived to tell you. <laughs> I'm right there with you. Yeah. I'm right there with you, Gord. Yeah, I'm, I'm that, pretty much a logger and a Guinness guy. So. Yeah, sorry, JD. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'd love to talk more about the. I'd love to talk more about the 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 record sure you, know, you gotta ask uh, the video too man and we haven't even touched we haven't even touched on the video yeah oh yeah cool. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm glad you like it I, I i yeah that's a friend of my my youngest son's uh uh is a, a, a aspiring filmmaker and, and and videographer and uh obviously videos yeah. aren't what they're used to be i'm like i'm a survivor of the mtv era where you just saw your recoupable account go up and up and up with your record company because you spend more money making videos than you would make the record. You know? 
but it's but he's a creative young right. guy. Evan Farrell is his name, and I I was reading the newspaper, uh, and there was an article. Uh, like I think this is when Facebook changed its name to Meta, and, and Mr. Zuckerberg had proclaimed that the future of the world, the future of reality, is going to be vir- virtual reality, and they ran a little clip of you know, journalists were testing it out with the with those goggles or that whatever that that is. I said, wow, this is the future of reality. The graphics are kind of shitty, you know? And and uh, and I bounced it off, off <laughs> Evan and said, I want to make this video about these tech guys that are kind of changing the way we interact with each other and, and getting rich in the process. And uh, um, could we make a virtual reality kind of video for this song about kind of love in the uh, in the vr world and uh and man he ran with it he's like i know exactly what you're talking about and it's clear who everybody is it's yeah. very clear who everybody yeah, we is. ran into a little problem with uh with <laughs> up here it was <laughs> it was clear still in the uh, the legal department oh, kind of hit the panic button real quick but we we just i think you know, it's a good yeah, thing I, when I, that happens. Again, it was fun. I, it, the, the song, I think, cool guy has a, a bit of a sense of humor to it, and and and, um, and yeah, I, I, God, when all that stuff was going on, um, when they were talking about how their algorithm, that what purports to bring people together, was actually the algorithm itself was based on making people butt heads because there was more engagement when the, the conversation was contentious as opposed to, you know, fluffy puffy stuff. And, and that young woman, Frances Hogan, you know, really kind of went official with it. And she kind of blew the whistle on these, these guys. And I, I thought right away to myself, like, Oh, like what would, what would Joe Strummer do with a concept? You know, like he wouldn't. I, you know, I'll have none of it. Thank you very much. And nice. would try to call the guy out. And, and it was actually the last song I wrote for the record. Um, and it came real, real quick because I, I kind of got my dander up just a little bit. I, I'm not a social mm. media guy. I understand how people do it. And it's a great way to stay in touch with friends all over the world and, and, and stuff. And I get it. But, but God, can you imagine if you were. Instagramming or Facebooking with your pals, but there was a artificial intelligence kind of trying to get you guys to fight about something you may have said to <laughs> each other in high school and dragging that your relationship through the I'm mic. sure it's already there. <laughs> exactly. You know, <clears throat> I mean, I, I'm in a, I'm, I was in a band with my high school friends and oh my God, we, we fought about crap that was 35 years old. You know, sometimes it was kind of ridiculous. Anyway, yeah. So the, I, yeah. Anyway, I'm glad you liked the video. It was fun to do. It was fun to do. I'm going to do a follow up. He's working on for call, uh, Carol. Yeah, it, yeah. But uh, I don't. I don't good. know. I haven't seen it yet, so I'm, I'm dying. He's good. he's wrong. okay. I'll be anxious to check that out. I, I enjoyed the video and the song. And the song, honestly, it brought me. It, there's this kind of '80s feel to it. Like it, it's it's interesting, kind of the juxtaposition of. Um, I don't know. It had money, it had some money for nostalgic yeah. feel to me. Yeah, that no. song, and then what? Yeah, I don't, I'm not. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's yeah, it's uh, reminded me of um, I don't know a couple of things. But anyways, the 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 video is great, and it it was just 
I love the personification <laughs> of the characters in it. It's just I just really related it. I was I was in I was in Italy recently. We were staying with family and um I'm kind of a handy guy, so I was helping them do some stuff. And I said, well, can you, where can we get this? You know, we needed something in particular. And my aunt there says, well, we could just order it on Amazon. And sure enough, it was there the next day. And I'm like, we're, I'm in Italy and, and, and Jeff's, Jeff's still knocking on the front door delivering. Yeah. Things, you know, it's just yeah, nuts. it is. It's, it's, it's nuts. So. I, 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 convenience yeah. is unbelievable. I totally understand. And obviously the, the, the pandemic unbelievable. was a fault for this. Yeah companies because all the, all the stores are closed, you know, but, oh, but massive, you know, I'm from yeah. a small, small ish city, you know, we got 150,000, 200,000 people here. And, you know, if the, if you don't support your local hardware store owner, um, who may very well be your neighbor down the street, you know, um, it's, it's kind of like the kind of the hundred mile right diet approach to living, you know, where you, you, you live in a community exactly. and if you got to exactly. pay a couple extra bucks for things, like I get it, like people go to the big box stores to buy 10,000 rolls of toilet paper and, 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 and junk like that. But, but you know, I, I go to the local record store and the, my local stereo shop and my local guitar store and, and we shop at a small little market and, and it's important. You know, it's it, it's important. If if the pandemic taught us anything, it was to kind of value community because we were support each other more. You know? and uh, <clears throat> meanwhile, uh, that's what yeah. I loved about Evans' portrayal of the of they call themselves founders. I understand, but the founders yeah. in, in the orbiting space station uh, <laughs> <laughs> above above the world that's slowly falling apart. You know, it's. Uh, and, and and frankly, that's what I try to articulate yeah. in the in the lyric of the song is that we all know the reason, and the reason is really us. It's up to us, you know, to to build community and to support community, and 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 everyone wants to save a buck. I understand that and stuff, but at what cost, you know? And, and at what cost? Many, yeah, in many cases, like um, mm-hmm. there's a lot of eight-cylinder vans all over North America as we speak, idling in people's driveways, dropping off stuff that they ordered on Amazon last night, you know, and there's a cost to that. <laughs> For, um, you know, and, and that's what I was trying to articulate anyway. Yeah. Yeah, what I notice nowadays, on, I mean, I'm in, I'm in Portland, we're in the city, you know, downtown Portland's about three miles away. And what I notice is when we don't have any deliveries, like I'll just stop. I'm mostly home. I'll stop in the house and think, yeah. but it's actually been quiet today. You know, it's, you, got, you have to wait for the white, yeah. the white noise to go away in order to. I have a Kingston question for you. Um, these gentlemen, we, we are recording, uh, we're doing a live finale for this podcast in Toronto on September 1st. Oh, cool. So, Pete is coming from Spain and Tim is coming from Portland and we're doing it at the rec room in Toronto. We're doing like a live podcast. Um, There's going to be a stand-up comedian. There's going to be a hip tribute band, et cetera. Uh, But as part of their coming to Toronto, I've, I've booked us a day in Kingston and uh, I booked an Airbnb just yesterday. What are some, what are some hip, hip 
must-see spots, some, you, you mentioned a record store earlier, yeah. uh, guitar store. What are some cool spots that we should go when we're Yeah, there? I got to hit well, the guitar store. You know what? There's, there's so, there's so many of it like this. It, um, first off about Kingston, you know, I, I'm, I'm born and bred and raised here. I went to university here and, and, you know, like most young men, like Rob Baker and I grew up across the street from each other you know, all through high school wow. together and, and, uh, you know, Gordon Paul and I lived hmm. together in university, and, wow. and, and John was a little bit younger than us behind us, but all went to the same high school. Parents all knew each other, and nonetheless, like most young men, we couldn't wait to shake the dust off this one horse town off our boots. You know, move on, go to the big city, and as it turned out, you know, our career <laughs> took us all over, you know, Europe and North America, and traveling all the time, and we kept coming back home and because it was home and you kind of learn to fall in love with where you're from, from by leaving it, you know, and you kind of realize, Oh, there's no better place to come back to. And, and it still is a really, it's a really special place. Even, even with the, the dearth of, of, of live music venues and, and various cities and stuff, we still have five, six places in town that run live entertainment uh, nightly, you know, and, I think that's a big reason Kingston is as it is, is produced so many great recording artists, you know, and Sarah Harmer and the Headstones and the Glorious Sons, because they all came up the way I came up. They, you, know, you kind of start playing in downtown Kingston and then you play the bigger mm-hmm. bar and then the bigger bar after that. So there's, there's some great live music venues. Uh, the, the place I'm playing in town is called the, called the, uh, the Broom Factory, which is kind of a multi- multimedia approach to, to live it's a, it's a film place it's comedy it, it's an office building for the for local promoter during the day and it's it's just great it's very diy in town you know hmm. it's also um kingston is an interesting place because it's a university town a very large very uh good university here um so we we kind of punch above our weight for for restaurants and 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 actually activities to do. We have a local symphony orchestra. We have two symphony halls, you know, uh, it, it's just, there's, it, it's a, it's a really special place. And, and it's also, it's right at the confluence of Lake Ontario and the St. Lawrence river. So it's where the great lakes kind of funnel all down. And the area just east of us uh, is the, the start of the thousand islands, which is, uh, Again, it's it, we kind of take it for granted, but you guys coming from out of town, you know, it's worth jumping on a on a boat, and you, you, you've never seen anything like it. It's it's just absolutely spectacular, um, you know. And it's yeah, it's it's just really really cool. Like there's, so much, there's, there's so many great rooms, you know. The the the, the club that we played our first gig, um, it was called the 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 toucan but it still exists you know and it's it's still still there it's not a great place to see music or play mm. music but it's still running live music <laughs> you know it's pretty wicked yeah. there's a, another place called the mansion that, that that they're they're again they're fighting the good fight they're they're trying to bring acts in all the time and give people a place to play you know um and it's and it's kind of great it, it's it's kind of a great place to be i'm i'm feel very comfortable here you guys you guys will like it if, if people if they have their places to 
play there and there's places to, that they make available. I mean, they're, they're, that's, there's no doubt that's why the city thrives. I, 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 I really think so as well, because people, uh, obviously, they, people get used to live music being a, a viable option. That was something that we experienced as young musicians. First time we went to, to Europe, you know, it was, again, like starting over, but we got to the Netherlands and it was the, like that was it was the case of like where are all these people come from how do they but it, it's because the the nature of the culture and it was back in the CD days when they were ridiculously expensive you know so you'd have to pony up whatever 30 40 gelders they were called back then so people would literally would go see a band play live before they would pony yeah. up for the record which was perfect for a group like us because you know they huh. There are all these magnificently tall people standing there and, and <laughs> all speak English, hanging on boards every word. <laughs> yeah, and it, it was great. It's all it's all about the That's amazing. thing. I am such a such a believer in it, and, and it's, it's, sure. it's just so important. Right? Um, I totally feel the song sometimes. Um, yeah. did you write that like thinking live in mind? Like, like that feels like a live.
Yeah, I, 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 I did. It's, it's, um, it's for sure. It's there's an anger to it for sure, and it's it's not the easiest thing when you're sitting by yourself in a pandemic to to write an up tempo song. But like I like I was saying earlier, I was using that experience. I would you know close the sliding doors of our family room and and um, and like everybody, there were moments during when I was locked down where where I was wasn't quite myself. You know, I was. I was Feeling, you know, being locked down in the middle of the winter in Canada uh, is, you get some dark days for sure. Um, not only physically dark days, but, but it, the mood kind of translates on you. And that's, that's really what that song's about. Uh, and, and, and I, I attempted to turn that frown upside down and, and, and kind of went back to the old punk rock me and, and, it's basically like a confessional more than anything because it was true. Sometimes I felt like I was losing my mind, you know, and, and sometimes, you know, weed, weed's legal up here. And, and, and so maybe sometimes I may have, you know, smoked a bomber a little too early in the day, you know, or maybe a little Bailey's in my morning coffee just to take the edge off, you know, (laughs) being quite confessional about that as well, you know, much yeah that's really cool of you <laughs> sharing these songs with us uh sharing i mean for me it's been it's been 38 years of you sharing songs with me so i really appreciate that and uh love that you made time for us today well and, uh, if, i appreciate that yeah. i appreciate that i'm a, i'm a music fan as well and i and i made music with guys I, I know really well, guys I love, you know, and, and uh, um, we always took it really, really seriously. And we always never took whatever success we may have achieved, we never took that for granted, you know. And we knew it was because of the people that liked our music and that supported <clears throat> the group. And we, uh, you know, with the passing of Gordon Lightfoot, who was also such a huge believer in live performance and the love and respect for his audience, you know, and um, we came up, you know, very much the same way, just like getting our, getting in front of people and, and, you know, and thanking them, you know, and being eternally grateful and trying to allow the music to reflect our growth as, as people and, and, but our commitment to making really, really good music. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I love it. I'm still trying to do it on my own. You know, I, I, I'd give anything to have Gord still here and be working my, my normal day job, you know, but, uh, but in no small way, he still is, you know, he wouldn't have wanted any of us to stop playing, you know, and to stop making music and, and, um, and yeah. And so I'm kind of doing it to honor him, but it's also, it's cause it's the only thing I know how to do. I, I kind of, it got into my into my my yearly cycle of like oh I we should be making a record soon I, I, when the songs start pouring out so anyway I'd go on but I, I appreciate you guys for for doing this and 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 listening as as intently as I listen to music like that's the way I listen to it too you know I turn it up so. yeah pleasure's here no, it's our or, pleasure uh, we've we've had a great wicked. time well, so thank uh, you so I'll, much. Uh, I'll get a list of places to see in Kingston and, and there's some That'd be great. 
it's a pretty it's a pretty special uh, it's a pretty special little town. You'll you'll get the vibe right away. You know, September's a great time of year. Um, kids are just coming yeah. back to school, and the and the sailors are still hanging around. It's a touristy town, so there's a, there's a good it's a, it's a good vibe here. It's a nice place to visit. I can't wait. Yeah, I can't wait. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank you so much. <clears throat> Absolutely, my pleasure, guys. I really really appreciate your time. It's fun. Yeah. Thanks. Okay. Likewise. Okay. Great. Take care. We'll see you real soon. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to Getting Hip to the Hip. Please subscribe, share, rate, and review the show at gettinghiptothehip.com. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at gettinghippod. And join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash fully and completely. Questions or concerns? Email us at jd at gettinghiptothehip.com. We'd love to hear from you. and such hey it's jd here and i'm with pete and tim and we have a really big announcement we want to make are you strapped in good mark your calendars for friday september 1st as long slice brewery brings to you getting hip to the hip an evening for the downy wind jack fund join us at the rec room in toronto for a night of music unity and making a meaningful impact this event is dedicated to honoring the legacy of the Tragically Hip while supporting the Downey Wenjack Fund. Immerse yourself in a powerful tribute performance by 50 Mission, celebrating timeless classics that have shaped Canadian rock history. We'll also wrap up the podcast in a memorable way by doing our finale live that evening. But it doesn't stop there. This event is all about making a difference. So we've got a silent auction with prizes you've got to see. From Blue Jays tickets, to Tragically Hip Ephemera, to kitchen appliances. If you're looking for something cool, chances are you'll find it at our silent auction. All proceeds for the evening will go directly to the Downey Winjack Fund, supporting healing, reconciliation, and positive changes for Indigenous communities. Tickets are on sale June 1st and can be picked up by visiting gettinghiptothehip.com and clicking on Finale. By attending Getting Hip to the Hip, you're not only enjoying a night of incredible music and comedy, but also contributing to a brighter future. Join a community of like-minded individuals who believe in the power of music and unity. Tickets are only $40, so mark your calendars and visit our webpage to secure your spot at this unforgettable event to celebrate the hip with fellow hip fans. Getting hip to the hip, an evening for the Downey Winjack Fund promises to be an experience that leaves a lasting impact. Please join us at the Rec Room in Toronto on September 1st and be part of something truly meaningful. We'd love to see you there. Dura. Podcasts and such. 
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.